It's time to think about the Bible like you never have before. This is Christian Questions. This podcast centers on godly principles, family values, and honest dialogue in a politically free zone. After the podcast, check out our other episodes, all our Bible study resources, videos, download the CQ app, and more at ChristianQuestions.com. Today's topic is, Is the Lord Really My Shepherd? Coming up in this episode. The 23rd Psalm is often quoted as an inspirational and calming story of a shepherd caring for his sheep. What we can't understand by simply reading it is the incredible challenges the shepherd must overcome to give this care. The deeper story here is a powerful lesson that we all need to hear. Now, here's Rick and Jonathan. Welcome everyone, I'm Rick. I'm joined by Jonathan, my co-host for over 20 years. Jonathan, what is our theme scripture for today's episode? Psalm 23.1 from the New International Version. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Among Christians, some of the most often quoted and beloved Old Testament scriptures are found in the 23rd Psalm. In very few words, these six verses paint a vivid picture of God's overwhelming care for his children. The imagery of a shepherd knowing and caring for his sheep speaks to our helplessness as we as God's children attempt to navigate the harsh terrain of a sin-sick world. Without our shepherd, the tumult of everyday life makes it hard to find true spiritual nourishment. Without our shepherd, we would not find absolute rest and we would always feel vulnerable. So here's the big question. Do I put myself completely and faithfully into the hands of my shepherd, Jesus? Do I really trust him for all things? Is Jesus the true shepherd of my life, or do I merely give him that title? And so, Jonathan, as we begin this podcast, this episode on the Lord is my shepherd, the 23rd Psalm, I just want to pause, even before we start, and give a memory of my, one of my grandmothers, the, the grandmother on my dad's side, her first name is Frances, and she died many, many years ago. Very dedicated Christian, came, came over from Italy, and uh, when I was very young, I would go to the Sunday meetings, and then we would have a testimony meeting, usually every Sunday. And at every single testimony meeting that my grandma Frances was at, she would quote the 23rd Psalm. But she just wouldn't say the words. Jonathan, it poured out of her very being, and her, her face would get serious, and, and, and her brow would furrow, and she would just speak this psalm from her heart. So I'd like to read the psalm in memory of my grandma, Frances, um, just to put things in perspective, because it means so much to me growing up with that. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This Old Testament analogy is unmistakable. David knew shepherding. He lived it night and day for many years. 
Psalm 23 reflects his personal experience as a shepherd caring for his flock in every way and realizing God's care for him was in every way so much more. So we've got this beautiful, beautiful picture from David who was a shepherd himself. This psalm applied to David and to all of Israel being under the direct care of God as their shepherd through the law. Now, a prophecy in the book of Ezekiel regarding Israel before and during their desolation shows this, and then it expands it in a very interesting way. So let's look at Ezekiel chapter 34, verses 11 and 12. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd cares for his herd in that day when he is among his scattered sheep, so I will care for my sheep and will deliver them from all the places to which they were scattered on a cloudy and gloomy day. So it's very obvious that the Lord God is the shepherd of Israel here. And so we, we see this and we understand this. But then the, 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 the prophecy takes a little bit of a turn. We're going to also see that this psalm uh, applies to Jesus as, a, as our shepherd. And, you know, when we began the podcast, we talked about that, that thought, that Jesus is our shepherd. We're going to see this psalm applies to Jesus as our shepherd, first to spiritual Israel and later to natural Israel. And this begins when Jesus came to earth at his first advent, and he became the man Christ Jesus. And interestingly, Ezekiel 34, 23 and 24 shows us the door opening for this to happen. Then I, God, will set over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will feed them. He will feed them himself and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. Now, Rick, remember, the Messiah would come from David's line, wouldn't he? Right. So when it says, my servant David, it's talking about the Messiah. It's talking about Jesus. So we can see Jesus as the shepherd. And it says, God Almighty says, I am appointing him to be shepherd. He is the one who will feed you. So it really is a wonderful picture to show us how Jesus is our shepherd. As we go through Psalm 23, verse by verse, we're going to use different translations to get a deeper understanding. And that's Psalm 23, 1 through 6. But now let's just read verse 1 in the New International Version. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. So with this, we're going to have several sound bites to paint the picture of what actual shepherding looked like and felt like in, in ancient Israel. So this is from the context of Psalm 23, Bible context explained, and it's explaining that Psalm 23 is a wilderness psalm. You see, Psalm 23 is a wilderness psalm. It doesn't sound like this is where it belongs, particularly since it's a psalm about not lacking anything. And when you look at the Judean wilderness, it's a land that appears to lack absolutely everything. David is taking the perspective of his sheep and goats. He knows that what they need is not naturally here in this wilderness area. Food, water, security, a sense of well-being. But the livestock don't lack anything because their eyes are not on what they're missing, but what they have. A good shepherd who makes sure that he takes them in the wilderness and provides all those things that they need. 
So, Jonathan, you, you hear that, and you realize that this psalm takes place in a kind of a barren place. And the psalms gives you the sense of abundance, but it's in the context of barrenness. So we want to understand that, and what, when, when you get that picture, you realize just how important the shepherd really is in this picture. So our main question, is the Lord really my shepherd? Is the Lord really my shepherd? If he is, all right? If the Lord Jesus really is my shepherd, then I am now and will always be well supplied. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. If he's my shepherd, that means I'm well supplied. Let's look at John 10, 14 to 15. I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me. Even as the Father knows me, I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Well, Rick, if we follow the shepherd spiritually and we give our life over to him, we completely trust him. And that's the point, and that's what the, the, the soundbite was saying. You know, you're in the wilderness. You're not focusing on what you don't have. What you do have is the shepherd, and you realize, I can trust him for everything. I lack nothing. Having such a shepherd as Jesus gives us clear confidence that all of our needs will be met. Now, we're not talking about all of our wants, all of our desires, all of the things that we would kind of like to see happen if it could be okay. All of our needs, especially spiritually, will be met. Philippians chapter 4, Jonathan verses 19 and 20. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Well, our perspective is this. Whatever the shepherd provides for us is more than what we could ever want. And I love the way the apostle just dives right in and says, My God will supply all your needs, not according to worldly wealth. Don't get confused on this. This is talking about your spiritual needs because it's according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. It's all taken care of. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Do we see that as, a, as the way that we lead our lives? We lack nothing. This first verse, Jonathan, is, is profound. These just these few words help us understand the magnitude of the shepherding of Jesus. So having a lack-nothing attitude can only be maintained— it can only be maintained by keeping, by maintaining our personal focus. Hebrews 12, 2 and 3. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Now think about that. In that, in, that, in that clip that we heard, it talked about the sheep not looking at, around saying, where are we going to get our next meal, but just focusing on the shepherd. This is, what, this is exactly what Hebrews is saying. Focus on Jesus as your long-term goal, and then consider, meditate on him who endured such hostility. If we meditate and focus on Jesus, you know what? We lack nothing. So, trusting in my shepherd. What do we have just from this first verse so far? As a Christian, the very basis of our life must be faith in Jesus. If I truly follow, then I will truly be fully cared for. True following, 
means true care. Am I truly following? And if I am, I can expect, because that's what the shepherd does, to be really, truly cared for. So the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. There's so much to learn and apply from such a short sentence. The idea of lacking nothing is great, but how does a shepherd fulfill it in the mountainous regions of Judea? So we're going back to the history of this. Our best appreciation of Psalm 23 will come when we have a clear understanding of the practical challenges and solutions a shepherd in ancient Israel would have faced. Now that David has established the shepherd's competence, I lack nothing, he next walks us through the main areas of life and care that shepherds are responsible for. So the growth of this psalm sets the competency of the shepherd, and now we get into the important details. Next verse in Psalm 23, verse 2, and this is from the Young's Literal Translation. In pastures of tender grass, he causeth me to lie down. By quiet waters, he doth lead me. So there's a couple of parts here, the tender grass, the lying down, the quiet waters, and, and being led. Let's go to an, another soundbite. This is from uh, What Does Psalm 23 Really Mean? from Israel U, and this is episode two, and they're talking about uh, the green pastures. And the green pastures in Judea, in the mountainous region of Judea, may not be what you picture them to be. So this is a tuft of grass growing in the desert. See, what happens is at night, warm air from the Mediterranean blows across the desert. When that warm, humid air hits the side of a hill or the side of a rock, a tuft of grass like this will pop up overnight. Now, in this sort of green pasture, the sheep has just enough for one mouthful. Then the sheep has to look to its shepherd to say, where's the next mouthful? And then it looks for the next mouthful, the next mouthful, and the next mouthful. In the green pastures that David wrote about, the sheep rely completely on their shepherd. So, so the big thing here is that you're not going out to this pasture and say, go get it, guys. Go eat until you can't eat anymore. They're always looking and the shepherd is always guiding to find the tender grass. It's not everywhere in the mountainous regions of Judea where this actually took place. Again, is the Lord really my shepherd? Is he really? If he is, if Jesus is really my shepherd, then I am now and will always be well-fed, rested, and refreshed. That's what it means to have the Lord to be your shepherd. And so, Jonathan, you, you asked that question a second time. It's really getting down to, do I really apply this to my every single day of my life? And we want to have that as a theme going through uh, the, the rest of this psalm. Feeding and rest are the companion activities that, when properly applied, bring new energy. You need feeding and you need rest. You need to have both of those things. Let's go back to the Ezekiel prophecy that we started out with that showed how Jesus, pictured by David, would become the shepherd. Ezekiel 13, uh, 34, I'm sorry, verses 13 to 15. I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and bring them to their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, by the streams, and in all the inhabited places of the land. I will feed them in a good pasture, 
and their grazing ground will be on the mountain heights of Israel. There they will lie down on good grazing ground and feed in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock, and I will lead them to rest, declares the Lord God. So feeding them on the mountains, you get this sense of just what was described in that previous clip, that sense that it's, it's there, but you have to go find it, and you have to follow the shepherd. Well, our shepherd, our good shepherd Jesus, provides a bounty of food and a unique kind of rest. Now, we're talking about spiritual food. We're talking about spiritual rest. This is not about our earthly life. It is about the following of Jesus, the discipleship of Jesus. Matthew chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So our good shepherd is telling Satan what he is going to be feeding his sheep. Man lives on every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's my mission. This is Jesus speaking. And this is where I'm going to bring my sheep to every word that feeds uh, out of the mouth of God. So sheep who follow. And this is another one of those phrases that we're going to keep coming back to. Sheep who follow seek to know what God's word really says. Jonathan, it's great to go to church on Sunday and to listen to something to feel inspired. It's a whole other thing to understand it, to dig into it, to make it your own, to make it a part of your life. 2 Timothy 2.15 explains this. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. We need to do that. This is how the shepherd feeds us. The question is, am I eating what he's feeding? Sheep who follow also can rest in the assurance that our shepherd carries our load with us. This is a beautiful scripture. So many, so many Christians quote this all the time. Matthew 11, chapter, uh, chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Well, when you're in a yoke, it takes work. So it takes work to follow Jesus, our shepherd. And it takes work to enter into the rest of the shepherd because you've got to follow him. And you might not feel like walking where he's telling you to walk, but it's the work and the shepherd supports us in that work. So we've talked a little bit about the feeding on the Word of God. We've talked about the rest that comes from working alongside of Jesus. Now let's go into the leading us beside quiet waters. Let's start with a commentary, Jonathan, from John Gill. He leadeth me beside the still waters, or waters of rest and quietness, not to rapid torrents, which by reason of the noise they make and the swiftness of their motion, the sheep are frightened and not able to drink of them but to the still waters, pure and clear, that go softly, leading is in a gentle way as they are able to bear it. So still waters are really, really important for sheep because, frankly, they get spooked by rapidly rushing water because they could easily get swept away by it. So the shepherd's responsibility is to bring them by still waters and when they have to cross to find a place where they can and to be with them and guide them by protecting them. Leading to these still waters gives the sheep security, especially in our tumultuous world. 
We're going to quote from another psalm, and it's a prophecy of end times. And we're just taking a little piece out to illustrate the, the comparison. It talks about water in two stages. It talks about water in a very restless state, which represents the restless humanity. And then it talks about a stream of water in relation to the city of God. Listen to the difference, and then we'll put, put it all in perspective. This is Psalm 46, verses 3 to 5. Though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake at its swelling pride, Selah, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy dwelling places of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She will not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. So you have the difference between the waters roaring and the mountains quaking at the swelling of the waters, and it's scary. And then you have a river whose streams make glad the city of God. And the city of God represents the, the, the true church, the, the followers of Christ. So this quiet river makes glad the true church in the midst of having all of the restlessness of humanity. This is a picture of our shepherd leading us to those quiet waters. Sheep who follow will only drink that which their shepherd leads them to. And this is another really important aspect of keeping the sheep healthy and refreshed. And of course, Jesus had something to say about this. John chapter 4, 13 and 14. Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. So you've got the water that Jesus says, I'll give you this water and it's going to bring you life. We talked about the pastures. We talked about feeding on spiritual things. So the pastures of tender grass are feeding on the Word of God. The lying down, the resting, is resting because Jesus is our yoke fellow, literally. By the quiet waters, by the waters that will refresh us of truth, that's where we're led. That's what our shepherd does for us. So when we look at this verse, verse 2 of Psalm 23, Jonathan, trusting in my shepherd, what do we have? As Christians... Our basic survival needs of food, water, and rest are met when we follow Jesus and feed where he brings us to drink and to feed where he brings us. This enables our anxiety in life to be reduced and our rest in him can come so much more easily. And that's the key. Feed where he brings us, drink where he brings us, rest because he's with us. That's the point of following the Good Shepherd. Let's continue in Psalm 23, verse 3, and this is from the New American Standard Bible, and let's read the first part of verse 3. He restores my soul. Now, this literally means he saves my life. Is the Lord really my shepherd? (laughs) Well, if he is, Jonathan, then I am now and will always be rescued from the hand of darkness. And Rick, I was thinking about the need we had for the shepherd before we had a relationship with him. We needed to be made right or justified to life from Adamic sin. The word for soul is nephesh, which means life, as you mentioned. So he truly restores our life. He absolutely does. He saves our life. Now, the shepherd literally saves the lives of the sheep. We're going to look at two ways that this might happen. First, enemies from without can come and try to snatch a sheep away to kill it. All right. Now, we've we've got that example, and we're going to go back to 
David as a shepherd, the golden days of David, the young boy who's a shepherd. He had proven to be so worthy a shepherd that he was allowed to fight the giant Goliath against the enemies of Israel. Now remember, he's a teenager at this point, and here's David's resume that he lays before King Saul to say, I want to fight this giant. Listen to this resume he gives to the king as a young man in 1 Samuel 17, 34 to 36. But David said to Saul, Your servant was tending his father's sheep when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock. I went out after him and attacked him and rescued it from his mouth. And when he rose up against me, I seized him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them since he has taunted the armies of the living God. You can see the fierceness of David's shepherding coming out in this example. I did this to protect my sheep. I literally put my life on the line. What an integrity this young boy had to stand up for God's people. Amazing. Yeah, and he's saying, I'll fight the giant because it's all in God's hands. It's, It's a beautiful picture of shepherding, and David had such great experience. Well, let's fast forward to Jesus. Jesus battled with Satan from the very start of his ministry, and he had proven victorious. We're going to drop in on his ministry and just hear one thing that Jesus says uh, about this victory. Luke chapter 10, uh, this is uh, verses 17 and 18, and this is after he had sent out the 70 to preach. The 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning. So you can see that Jesus was taking care of the enemy for his sheep. That's what the shepherd does. You see, sheep who follow know that if they become a target of darkness, the shepherd is always close by. Second, we can need saving from the enemy within. Sometimes we misstep or fall into compromise. And Jonathan, as we go into our next soundbite from how you can easily save a sheep's life, and this is from the working sheepdog. This is a guy who trains sheepdogs. Uh, it, there's a, another memory I have of this 23rd Psalm. My dad, when I was maybe 14 or 15 or 16, uh, gave a talk on the 23rd Psalm. And he mentioned something about he restores my soul, he saves my life, that I had never heard anybody ever talk about. And he talked about being a cast-down sheep. And Jonathan, I'll never forget it because I heard him say this in this talk and I was mesmerized. And for the last, I don't know, 45 or 50 years, this has stuck with me. Listen to this way that the shepherd can save the life of a sheep. If you're a person who likes to go out walking in the countryside, it's a good idea to keep your eyes open for any sheep that might have got on their backs. Unlike many other animals, sheep don't roll onto their backs for a good scratch or even for fun, and they certainly don't sleep on their backs. This sheep is in a desperate position. If it can't get back onto its feet very soon, it'll die. Sheep are particularly prone to getting cast, as it's called, during the spring. With the extra weight of their lambs inside them, the pregnant mums are very top-heavy, and if they roll over, That extra weight makes it extremely difficult for them to get back up again. So you have this vulnerability. You roll over and then you're stuck and you can't get up. And death is around the corner unless the shepherd comes and rights you. 
helps you to get back up again. Sheep who follow have the assurance that when they, we slip or fall, our shepherd can and will rescue us because he's always watching. First John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. So you can see that Jesus is our advocate. He's beside us. He represents us. If we fall, he's right there to help us. But this picture, Jonathan, goes a little bit further, a little bit further than what the psalm says. And, and let's go back to how you can easily save a sheep's life and hear the next piece of this. If you see a sheep in this position, it's very easy to save its life. Simply walk quietly and steadily up to it and roll it over. Once it's the right way up again, the sheep will probably run back to the flock. But as you can see, this sheep's still quite wobbly. She was probably on her back for some time and is finding it hard to balance again. This is because she was already in shock. She knew she was in terrible danger of dying on her back. So you have this sense that even somebody who's not a shepherd can recognize this and help. And here's the thing. Sheep who follow know that they also have protective responsibilities toward their fellow sheep. We're talking about Christians now. We have that responsibility to help one another. Galatians 6.1. Brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself, so that you too will not be tempted. Well, Rick, we need to help the brotherhood hold the high standard of holiness and faithfulness, even if mistakes are made. Help them to keep getting up and to never give up. And so we're beginning to expand this to say it's not only Jesus as our shepherd, but we want to work together. We're going to expand that as we go through uh, this episode. But the key thing here is a sheep can be vulnerable just by slipping and falling and, and being on their back. The shepherd is watching, the shepherd knows, and the shepherd can literally save their life by being uh, there and alert and helping them. So, Jonathan, trusting in my shepherd, what do we have? The privilege of being in a flock that Jesus shepherds is too great to be calculated. His care for us is not just for the here and now. It's for eternity. Let us watch that our every step continues to be in harmony with where our shepherd leads, and let us be continually thankful for his watch care over us in our imperfections. He's always there, always watching, always saving our lives. Let's be appreciative, let's watch for it, and let's, let's respond to the lead of our shepherd. So being guided to food, water, and rest, and then being revived when we have trouble, <laughs> you can't find a better shepherd. We are given the basics for survival. Now, how does our shepherd walk us through progressing in our lives? Again, David will show us more details of shepherding. Specifically, he will show us how a diligent shepherd brings his flock from one place to another so all of the basic needs of the sheep can be continually met. Remember, the land that the shepherd guides the flock through is not a land of ease, but it is instead a land of challenge, a land of great challenge. Back to Psalms 23, 
verse 3, New American Standard Bible. Let's read the last part. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. All right, so there's two parts to this the paths of righteousness, and for his name's sake. So let's talk about these paths of righteousness as we get started with the first part of Psalm 23, verse 3. Let's go back to what does Psalm 23 really mean from Israel U, episode 2. The Hebrew word for path used in Psalm 23 is the same as the word used to describe someone walking around in circles. Now, when a shepherd needs to get their sheep down from a hill in the desert, they can't just let the sheep run straight down or they'll get injured because the hill is so steep. So instead, they lead the sheep around the mountain in circles. Over the years, the sheep have worn these paths into the side of most hills. This is what the Bible is referring to when it speaks of paths of righteousness. This is how the shepherd of Psalm 23 gets the sheep safely down the mountain. And Jonathan, in that, in that video, they showed some of these mountains. And literally, you have these paths that go round and round and round to get down. And so the path of righteousness doesn't go in a straight line. It goes round and round. Why? Because that's the way to get to your destination. Well, here it comes again. Is the Lord really my shepherd? Well, if he is then I am now and always will be clearly guided in the ways of righteousness, even if it looks like it's a circle. This is because I follow Jesus for the purpose, and here's the thing, for the purpose of representing Jesus himself. So there's more to it than just being a follower. There's an objective for the true Christian following our good shepherd Jesus. So sheep who follow. We're talking about the paths of righteousness now. Sheep who follow know that a life of righteousness is never a straight line to victory, ever. Psalm 51, verses 10 to 13. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and sustain me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will be converted to you. Well, Rick, this is what a repentant heart feels like. So grateful David expressed it so well. And, you know, and, I, and I'm glad you put it, put it that way. It's what it feels like. Repentance has to come from the inside out. It's not lip service. It is life service. It is putting yourself back onto a path so you can, here's an idea, follow the shepherd once again. You may have strayed. It's okay. Now you follow the shepherd. Righteousness is never easy, and it does. It's not a straight line. You gotta look at the the, the picture of these these mountains in Judea because it's fascinating. You see these little footpaths, and they're a little bit treacherous. But you've got these paths because those are the righteous ways. See, sheep who follow know the path is difficult, and they're willing to walk where the shepherd walks where the shepherd leads. Luke 9, 23. And he was saying to them all, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. If you want to come after Jesus, just like a sheep follows its shepherd, here's what you must do, because this path of righteousness and spirituality is not going to be easy. But if you walk in his footsteps, he will get you there. See, sheep who follow know they are humbly privileged to have been called to be a part 
of Jesus' flock. This doesn't happen for everybody. This is an incredible privilege to be part of this flock. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10 helps us to see that. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. So you have this sense of you're not called because of your good works. You're not called... Jonathan, I'm just letting you know. I know it's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you and me both. We know that it's not because of, of the greatness of, of whoever we might think we are, but it's by the grace of God because of the potential that he sees within us to be selfless and full of service. That's what this is. We're his workmanship. And make no mistake, sheep who follow are the workmanship of that shepherd. He trains them so they can survive and thrive in very difficult conditions. Righteousness can only thrive when humility is strong. Just let's always keep that in mind. So we've talked about the paths of righteousness. Now let's go to the part of the verse that says, for his name's sake. Sheep who follow are tasked with a profound purpose. Life has deep meaning. Now, here we're unveiling the purpose of following Jesus uh, as our shepherd in 2 Corinthians 5, uh, 20 and 21. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. We might become the righteousness of God. There's a purpose. It says we're ambassadors for Christ. An ambassador is a representative of a higher power that lives in a different country. Our home is heaven. We are to be representing heaven here on earth. This is why we follow. It's for his name's sake that we walk in these paths of righteousness that the world looks at and says, well, they're just going round and round and round. Oh, no, no, no. We're getting to where we need to go because that's where the shepherd is leading us. That's how we're growing. That's how we're developing. That's how we're maturing, becoming ambassadors for Christ, representatives to become the righteousness of God in Jesus, our shepherd. Trusting in my shepherd, what do we have? Having Jesus as my shepherd is a transforming process. We need to grow and mature as we walk the difficult paths of righteousness because we ourselves are being trained to represent Jesus. Our purpose will bring us to become shepherds of the world in the future. <laughs> That's a powerful thought. Our purpose is to become shepherds of the world, ministers of reconciliation. That's what we're called to. That's why we follow in Jesus' footsteps. That's why we give up our will and do the will of God, so you can be ministers of reconciliation, becoming the righteousness of God in Christ. Back to Psalm 23, verse 4, from the King James Version. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. So you've got this verse, and it's a very, very well-quoted verse, walking through the valley of the shadow of death, and not fearing evil. Listen to what does Psalm 23 really mean, Israel, you, episode three, 
and they talk about the Dark Valley. They, they, they mention a detail here that I never knew until listening to this. You know, one of the first times I ever got to see a shepherd with his flock in Israel was in the desert at sunset. And I noticed that when the sun was up and everything was light, the shepherd was leading his sheep from out in front. But as the sun went down and things got dark, the shepherd dropped back to be amongst his sheep. And that's almost exactly like what we read in Psalm 23. You know, the Lord leads us, but when we go through a dark valley, that's when the Lord comes beside us. That's when God is with us. And that's when He comforts us. So there's a profound sense of security because when it gets dark, when it gets dangerous, the shepherd is now in the midst of the flock. Jesus is in the midst of us when we have our darkest, most difficult times. Boy, Jonathan, I don't know about you, but that gives me goosebumps, just feeling His presence and, and seeing it there. Absolutely. So, Rick, I have a question for you. Is the Lord really my shepherd? <laughs> <laughs> well, Jonathan, if he is, if he is really my shepherd, then I am now and will always be faithfully protected when the path becomes treacherous. I need to realize that. I need to remember that. Jesus will be with us to faithfully discipline and guide us. So we talked about this, we're, we're looking at now this valley of the shadow of death. And let's remember that sheep who follow, and this is our other phrase that just keeps coming up, are you a sheep who follows? Jonathan, you keep asking, is the Lord really my shepherd? And the answer really is, well, are you a sheep who follows? Those two pieces come together, they work together. Sheep who follow, talking about the valley of the shadow of death, walk faithfully forward regardless of what others do. This is a great scripture in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 16 to 18. The Apostle Paul was in a very difficult spot, and he's talking to Timothy in this letter and explaining how he overcame. At my first defense, no one supported me, but all deserted me. May it not be counted against them. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, so that through me the proclamation might be fully accomplished and that all the Gentiles might hear, and I was rescued out of the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. That's exactly what the Apostle Paul described in his own life. When it got really tough, he had his Lord right by his side to deliver him where he needed to be delivered. So, thou art with me. Sheep who follow know that their shepherd is always with them. Our next scripture is Jesus' words as he is ascending to heaven. Uh, and this is Matthew twenty-eight nineteen to 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jonathan, there is a comfort that is beyond description. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, nobody at that time knew that the end of the age would be 2,000 years plus later. Nobody knew that. And Jesus is saying, it doesn't matter how long, because I will be with my sheep even to the very, very end. Thou art with me. And it applies today as fully as it applied 
back then. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Sheep who follow know that whatever experience the shepherd brings, it is for their ultimate good. Hebrews 12, 11 to 13. No, dis- no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Now, Rick, the rod is a corrective tool and the staff guides. And we think of God's providential overrulings as part of that guidance. Yeah, and it's really important to understand you need the corrective tool and the guiding tool. You need both of them because, you know what, we're imperfect. We need to be taught, and that's what he does. Thy rod and thy staff, we are kept in line for our own safety and for our own maturity. And remember, we read about David in Psalm 51, 10 through 13. He was asking to be restored. Well, why? In 2 Samuel 12, God sent Nathan, the prophet, to David to chastise him for his gross sins. And Nathan told David a story about sheep to reveal David's treachery. And, you know, that's really fascinating because if anybody knew sheep, it was David. He would have remembered, and as king, when that story came up, and he saw that the, the, the sheep was taken, he was furious because he was so protective of his own sheep. And then Nathan, of course, said, thou art the man. You're the man who did this evil. And so using sheep helped David see wh- what he needed. He needed to be corrected. He needed the rod. He needed the rod to put him back in order. And David humbly and immediately repented, acknowledged his sin. So God forgave David, but there were consequences that followed. And that's important, and we all need to realize that we do have consequences, natural consequences, spiritual consequences that we need to fulfill. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. They bring me in line. They bring me the, the, the relief of knowing I can be corrected and stand up again in righteousness. What a, what a powerful, powerful tool here. Trusting in my shepherd, what do we have? The hard, dark, and unsettling times that every sheep must go through never have to be experienced alone. If we accept the guidance and discipline of our shepherd, then we are assuring ourselves that he will continue to be by our side. And Rick, in other words, even though I walk through this sick, dark world of Adamic sin and death, Jesus is with me, and I won't fear any evil because his rod and staff will help me. See, Jonathan, that sounds like you're a sheep who follows. That's the whole point. That's what we want to be when we grow up, right? We want to be sheep who follow. So whether we walk on a path of righteousness or through a dark valley that's scary, our objective is always the same. Follow the shepherd. We have seen ample provision, rest, protection, and discipline. What is the result of all this for the sheep? Well, in the last two verses of Psalm 23, David changes the imagery just a bit. He has walked us through the challenges of proper shepherding, and now he focuses on the goodness and blessing that is a result of that successful shepherding. He, here he will plainly see the sheep being, or I'm sorry, here we will plainly see the sheep being honored with grace and favor that only a loving shepherd can give. So now as we go to these last two verses, this psalm becomes much more human in its perspectives right now. Continuing in Psalm 23, verse 5. 
And this is from the New Jerusalem Bible. You prepare a table for me under the eyes of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup brims over. I love that translation. You prepare this table under the eyes of my enemies. They may not be right there, but they can see what's happening. They're, uh, they're, they're observing and they're, and they're, they're feeling the, 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 the defiance almost of the shepherd to say, I've taken care of my sheep and I can celebrate with them here and now. Again, the question is, is the Lord really my shepherd? You keep asking that question, and it's important to ask it every single time. Because if the Lord is my shepherd, then I now and will always have access to great privilege, to be under an anointing of great importance, and to be favored with abundant blessing. So there's three pieces here. He prepares the table before me, anoints my head with oil, my cup runs over. So we're going to go through those, those three pieces. First, preparing a table for me. Sheep who follow understand that their privilege cannot be undone by the presence or influence of evil ones. And this is important. We need to understand that as difficult as it gets, if we are sheep who follow, we are safe because we follow. Psalm 91, we're just going to touch on verses 1 and then 4 through 7. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you may seek refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and bulwark. You will not be afraid of the terror by night, or the arrow that flies by day, of the pestilence that stalks in darkness, or of the destruction that lays waste at noon. A thousand may fall at your side, and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not approach you." Dwelling in the shelter of the Most High, you have the advantage of the protection of God Almighty through Jesus, and you don't have to fear the terror by night. You can have your enemies looking upon what's happening, and it says a thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it won't come nigh to you. So under the eyes of your enemy, it's you still have the blessing of following the shepherd and all that he has to give us. Thou preparest a table before me under the eyes of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil is the next piece. Sheep who follow know they are marked by the unshakable promise of their future inheritance in the form of God's Spirit. Ephesians 1, 13-14. And this is from the Young's Literal Translation. In whom ye also, having heard the word of the truth, the good news of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, Ye are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is an earnest of our inheritance to the redemption of the acquired possession, to the praise of his glory. And Rick, a couple of things. First, the word earnest is kind of like a down payment, like an engagement ring, a promise to the one you're going to marry. And second, in sheep, lanolin oil is produced from a gland which coats their wool. Is it a coincidence that oil represents the Holy Spirit given to the followers of Christ? Nope. I think not. <laughs> nope. No coincidences. What an, what an amazing picture that is. It is. And, and you know, and, and I really like the, not, not just the, the, the oil part, you know, and the Holy Spirit, because that's such a, a big part of our lives. But that Holy Spirit is the down payment. It's the engagement ring. Think about it. When Jesus was with his followers in the upper room, he said, I'm going to bring the Holy Spirit to you. And that Holy Spirit was the guarantee of what was to come, preparing a place for you. It was the down payment, the engagement, if you will, 
to his bride to be in heaven with him. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture. Anointing my head with oil is a very spiritual perspective for us to have. This is where our shepherd leads us. Am I a sheep who follows? Next part, my cup brims over. Well, sheep who follow know and live by the overwhelming blessings their shepherd constantly bestows upon them. Romans 8, 37 to 39. But in all these things we are overwhelmingly conqueror through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So you have all this incredible list, and nothing on this list works. It's like <laughs> you bring this stuff home and nothing works, you know? And that's really what's happening with Satan. If we are sheep who follow and stay close to our shepherd, whatever he brings to try to trip us up, whether it be life or death or angels or principalities or things present or things to come or height or depth, it doesn't matter. It's not going to work because we're under the protection of the shepherd. That's how big our blessings are. They're enormous because we are with him. The Lord is our shepherd I lack nothing. Trusting in my shepherd, Jonathan, in relation to Psalm 23, verse 5, what do we have? It is almost impossible to describe the blessing we as sheep are exposed to while in the midst of the turmoil and darkness of evil. Our shepherd's love for us is tangible. It is not mere words or emotions. It is expressed in the real blessings of our real lives. And Rick, this is powerful and so true. Uh, question. How can we bless our enemies to show we don't fear them and we want the best for them? You know, Jesus loved his enemies. Yeah, that's a, that's a hard question. We, my cup brims over, though. We have enough to be able to do that. So the question is, okay, how do you do that? And, and you know, I'm, I'm, it brings me to thinking about a dear, dear, dear Christian friend of ours who was in a, in a previous church and left that church for searching for truth but their names were, were really maligned w within that church. And it's a big community where they live, and, and, and you have this maligning of their name. And in fellowship with these, with these brothers and sisters, what has come to me is the, the inspiration of, say, of them saying, you know what, I'm not going to play that game. I'm going to love them because God loves them, because Jesus died for them. So, Jonathan, it's simply rising above what we feel like doing and following the footsteps of our shepherd. That's what it comes down to every single time. Jesus died for his enemies. We can certainly love ours. That's what it comes down to. Well, Rick, last verse in Psalm 23, verse 6, and this is from the New Living Translation. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. You know, when you're a sheep, you're always worried about being pursued by, by the wolf or the lion or whatever it is, right? Well, right. get this picture. Goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. No matter how hard I run, I can't get away from them. That's a good thing. <laughs> so we want to we see that. We want to grasp that. And then it talks about, I will live in the house of the Lord forever. So let's put this in perspective. And Rick, last time. Is the Lord really my shepherd? Jonathan, last time. If he is really my shepherd, then I am now and will always be 
blessed and secure no matter what may come my way. Now, I may falter in my emotions, but the fact is, if I'm near my shepherd, I will always be blessed and secure. Sheep who follow understand that the source of our strength, guidance, and purpose is the one God of all. We praise him for his plan and for giving us his son as our shepherd. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 28 to 31. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous men, young men, stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. So when you think about those verses, again, those are verses that a lot of, a lot of Christians know and recite, but we put them in the context of goodness and unfailing love pursuing us all the days of our lives. The idea is, Jonathan, that even in a feeble human condition, we will be given strength and opportunity and grace and privilege and courage beyond what we could have ever had if we stay close to the shepherd. That's really what this comes down to. Your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. Sheep who follow. Sheep who follow know that Jesus as our shepherd specifically bestowed serious shepherding responsibilities upon his sheep. Now this is going beyond just being a sheep. This is now stepping up to something different. This began, these responsibilities of shepherding began with the apostle Peter, who incidentally had his own life revitalized by his shepherd Jesus. Let's go to John chapter 21, verses 15 to 17. So when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Well, I'm going to pause right there. This took place right after the miraculous catch of fish. It is our belief that Jesus is pointing to the fish and talking about Peter's livelihood. Do you love me more than these? Okay, back to the verse. And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, shepherd my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. Now, remember the context of these verses. Jesus told Peter he would deny him three times. Jesus also said he prayed for him that his faith may not fail. Was it a coincidence that Jesus asked him three times, do you love me? Uh, the big lesson here is the responsibility Jesus gave Peter to shepherd the lambs, the young followers. Next, feed the sheep or the strong ones, and finally, tend the more mature sheep, those that had special needs, special care. So what you have is Jesus turning over, shep over shepherding responsibilities to the Apostle Peter. He's saying, you need to do this. And he was very specific and very broad. Just like God had turned over the shepherding responsibilities to Jesus, Jesus now is turning it over to the Apostle Peter. The Apostle Peter, in turn, passes it on as well, because it becomes a big responsibility for the length of time of the gospel age. The Apostle Paul 
also firmly encourage spiritual responsibility among the flock as protection and encouragement would be continually needed even up to this day. Acts chapter 20, verses 28 to 30, this is when he is leaving Ephesus for the last time, and he's just giving them his final words of encouragement. New International Version. Keep watch over yourselves and all of the flock which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So Peter is given the responsibility to shepherd. The Apostle Paul had the responsibility to shepherd. He passed it on to others, who passed it on to others, who passed it on to others. Folks, this is why we have this psalm, and it shows us the incredible care that Jesus as our shepherd gives to us. And we are tasked with trying to take that and do the best we can to pass that on to our brotherhood. Trusting in my shepherd, Jonathan, let's wrap this up. Sheep who follow are not there to simply receive. On the contrary, our being sheep is for the sole purpose of our growth into eternal representatives of God and his son Jesus, our good shepherd. Let us follow, learn, and grow, and then pass it all onto other sheep. This is such a powerful lesson. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Can we help our brotherhood to be able to maintain that same kind of spiritual life because we're there encouraging, working alongside them, and helping them? Folks, this is really an important psalm. It's inspirational, but it's important because it teaches us the things that Jesus wants us to know about being cared for, being secure, and then passing that care and that security on to others. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Think about it. Folks, listen, we love hearing from our listeners. We welcome your feedback and questions on this episode and other episodes at ChristianQuestions.com. Coming up at our next episode, am I putting new wine into an old wineskin? Interesting question. It's a parable. Talk to you next week.